0: Some
1: podcasts do it for the fun. Some do it for the fame. Chad and cheese? They do it for global effing domination. That's right. Bringing America to its knees was just the beginning. Now, they have their eyes set on conquering Europe. And they've drafted industry veteran Levan von Neuerhauser of Belgium to help them navigate the old country and bring HR's most dangerous podcast across the pond to trash talk like never before. Not safe for work in any language. The Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. Oh, yeah. Guten Tag, Meine Kinder. You are listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. I'm your co host, Joel. I'll never be Royals. Cheeseman. And I'm Chad. Show me some of that football. So wash. On this episode, a major global reshuffle in online classifieds. Wage inequality is a problem in all kinds of languages and swiss sex workers still the world's oldest profession you know in case this whole podcast thing doesn't work out
2: europe has a bunch of countries in it
0: european talent intelligence what does it mean imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a european talent pool every year Thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments, and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries, it is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence.
1: Show number two, boys. How we doing? You forgot leaving. I know, leaving leaving forgot leaving. (laughs) Yeah, I shouldn't be forgetting myself. Pretend you're the Germans invading Poland in the future. That's how you got to work with us, Americans. Oh, you got to be bold. Yeah. Probably probably not a good idea. So <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's, let's jump into football
2: right out of that. We, we in, invoke Adam Gordon's name a few times last week. So we have a special guest host, Adam Gordon, on the show. Welcome to all things Scottish.
3: Our slogan is, if it's no Scottish, it's crap.
1: Is Adam still there?
2: Yeah,
4: absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you are. So the Scots and Welsh are out. Are you going to be rooting for uh, England against Germany, or is it anybody but England?
4: Yeah, we've got a we've got a, a well-known acronym in Scotland: Abe, A B E. Anyone but England. I was really delighted (laughs) with England's draw in the next round against Germany. Can they beat Germany? Uh, Because Germany always wins. No way. Germany always wins. They'll win on penalties after, like, Three hundred minutes of play, Germany will still win.
1: <laughs> so, so I've done a little bit of homework, Adam. Just a little bit. It looks like England's record in this tournament is better than Germany. But has Germany just been in a tougher division? Is that why you're predicting Eng- or German?
4: I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm surprised that England's record in this tournament is better than Germany's. I don't think England's ever won it, and uh, I'm pretty sure Germany has won it. I really enjoyed 1996. Um, I was, I was at the game. Um, it was the semi-final. And it was England against Germany. And uh, my dad and I were, were both there in uh, our kilts and lederhosen. <laughs> the English, <laughs> the English uh, fans didn't really appreciate
1: us being there. What the hell does that look like? Lederhosen and a kilt. Wow. Probably a mix that should never happen. Levin has a whole closet full of laser later hoses. And, and you also
2: have to realize
1: that Germany was in the
2: hardest group in this in, in, in getting out of uh, getting out of the groups. They yeah, that's what I meant.
1: So they play five games, right? Something like that. They
2: well they, they had to get through France, Portugal, yeah. and Hungary themselves. Now they're actually on the easy side of the bracket. If they get through England. Uh, the Netherlands have already
1: dropped off. If Levin's a little quiet, it's because he's hung over from the uh, upset of Portugal. It's a slight hangover. I told you. Yeah. Is Belgium like a favorite now?
2: Yeah. They were a favorite before. Belgium was actually ranked above Portugal in this one. So Be- Belgium's yeah. ranked number one in the world. Number yeah. one football team in the world. And yep. to me, Belgium's the second favorite. I think France is probably the favorite. Oh, what about Italy? Italy's looking pretty tough. They didn't look great the other day, but they're looking pretty tough.
4: They're a dark horse. They're a young team, uh, and they've, got a, they've definitely got a chance. It would be an upset. It would be a surprise if they won, yeah. but it would be very cool.
3: When do we play against Italy? Is it Monday?
2: Yeah, it's soon. It is very soon. I mean, and again, Belgium got screwed in the upper left-hand quad. It's going to be like a slaughterhouse. Whoever gets out of that will have France to deal with. In the semis, right? That's ridiculous. How were the teams actually picked? Because that didn't look like a, a fair draw at all.
4: No, it's all out of a hat. They put all the they put all the teams into like a big ball, and then they have a big ceremony with like hundreds of people getting prawn sandwiches and you know cup, <laughs> cups of tea in their suits and ties, and uh they get a model or a pop star or somebody who pulls out the names and. uh yeah, you're right. Sorry, uh, Joel. When you said that you know uh, England's got a better result in this tournament, that's because England had the easiest possible group. Oh, fuck! They, yeah. Sco- they had Scotland. Yeah. They had the Czech Republic and they had Croatia. And Croatia are pretty good. Czech Republic actually did very well the other night, beating the Netherlands.
2: Exactly. They killed the Netherlands yesterday. Well, the red card didn't hurt, right? <laughs> yeah when you get a red card and get a dude booted yeah that's uh that that's gonna that's gonna help out a little bit but what about Hungary, man they had sixty seven thousand plus attendees in the stadium you've got the delta variant like running mad from what i hear uh throughout uh europe is this gonna continue to happen i mean that everybody who uh, came in had to have a COVID passport, I guess, and they had to be they had to demonstrate that they, ha- they had their shot. But do you see full stadiums continuing during this tournament?
3: Yesterday they weren't full, as much as I saw.
2: Mm-hmm. Pretty empty sometimes.
4: Different in different countries, different different uh, rules in different countries. We're all in different phases of coming out of this, or, or
1: yeah, they're like they're like states. I think Americans just think Europe is one big unified place because you call it the Europe unification or the EU. So
3: that mm. was really really looking forward to Russia versus Ukraine, two countries on the verge of war. Where are they playing? Are they
2: playing in Crimea? <laughs> playing in crimea yeah that's a good idea
1: yeah. did you guys have any uh did you guys care about the biden putin meeting or was that sort of a yawner no we watched it and did biden perform as uh, europe had hoped he would he didn't insult
3: uh putin this time so we were a bit disappointed <laughs> he wasn't saying he was a killer etc so he yeah didn't...
1: he also didn't give him a tongue bath like uh, our last president did <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gave him more than a tongue bath.
4: <laughs> but it would have been so much fun though if Putin had just got out a wrestling mat and said right, okay, you you and me let us go and like brought out the full wrestling outfit and come on,
2: man. surprised he actually came to the uh, press conference with a shirt on, to be quite frank. I thought he would have come Topless. in on a horse, yeah, with uh, no shirt on, you know, all with a beard's head in his hand.
1: He looked so put out at uh, that meeting, like he was so mad to be there.
2: Well, he was because he generally doesn't have to answer questions from press yeah. unless they're—I mean, if they're his press—and you know they're going to ask the questions that he allows I asked.
1: Speaking of not happy, I got a lot of flack for my Beamery commentary about their uh, recent.
2: What kind of flack?
1: Fundraising. Well, I—I I was kind of negative on the company, and uh, mm-hmm. Adam in particular was quick to. Tell me that I sucked, and he's a huge fan.
4: I, I, I'm not sure I said anything other than I completely agree with all of it that you said. Um, the, the the only thing is, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be losers, which is what I think you said. I don't think that <laughs> what, what what I, what, I, what I'm absolutely sure they're not going to be is a CRM because the world does not need recruitment CRM as a category of technology. So you know, you've got applicant tracking systems that are building their own folders effectively so you don't need a crm if you've got an isims or if you've got a smart recruiters you just don't need a crm where it's still adding loads of value i guess is if you've got a workday or a success factors but both of those have either built or are in the process of building the same type of functionality but what Beamery really has to be is, is not what it was you know or what it is today so, so i
1: think when when you raise that amount of money you know as from my perspective You'll, you know, bells go off and say, "Look, when you raise that much money, you either have to go an IP, you have to go IPO or you have to sell." you the number of buyers that can uh, you know gobble you up becomes much smaller. So, my I guess my perception or critique of a company changes when they raise that much money. Do you, as a European, Levin and Adam both, when you see a company raise that much money? Do you guys think the same thing like, oh, they have to have a liquidation event or get, get bought by a very few number of companies? Or do you think something different?
3: Oh, it
2: depends, I guess. Depends on what? On the type of company, on their ambitions, what they plan to achieve. So take a look at Beamery. And you, I mean, House of HR, you guys have done four acquisitions this year. So t- take a look at Beamery and give us kind of like your honest assessment on, you know, your your thoughts around that space being CRM, moving to ATS. What are your thoughts on it?
3: They claim to be a talent operating system and sounds a bit like a disk operating system, but less 80s. But uh, when Microsoft launched it back then, they ended up pretty well. So. Been cho- choosing the name right, I guess. Talent Operating System. That does sound cool. I've uh, been trying to, uh, to figure out what a verb to, but I have no idea.
4: The, the, I, I want to know what a Talent Operating System is. Does it operate the, the talent? So it, it actually controls the people, the individuals. Is that what a Talent Operating System is?
3: A, fan, a fancy name for like a full service uh, agency, something like that, I feel. Uh, to me, it's a terrible, terrible name
4: to call any type of technology is that it operates the talent. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that, but they need fired.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> if you take it, take a look at Eightfold, who came out with the Tip Talent <laughs> Intelligence Platform World, right? And then you've got Phenoms, candidate experience, and then you've got uh, Beamery with this operating system thing. They are all trying to come up with new names or new ways not to say applicant tracking system.
4: Whoever came up with a tip, whoever came up with that, they also need <laughs> fired. There is an established. <laughs> Talent intelligence is an established process within recruitment, which, and they do not do talent intelligence. So that was the wrong description again. True. Um, the, the toss and the tip both yeah. need tossed into the tip. <laughs>
3: toss, <laughs> toss in the tip. Uh, I tend to agree with Adam. If you say talent operating, it's like it's too harsh. It's, you can nurture talent, but to operate talent, it does sound a bit offensive almost
2: leaving. Tell me what you think about the convergence though, because we have now all of these quote unquote CRMs and or matching platforms or whatever they, they are, they're taking a shitload of cash, which means they have to broaden out and they have to converge on the applicant tracking system. What are your thoughts around that? Exactly. It's, it's like a very red ocean. I mean, as house of, of HR our own company launched
3: an ATS system last week, a free one, just to enable our clients to um, post our jobs better. So, there are so many layers on the markets, and if you want to make a difference, you'll have to come up with something great. and then one hundred thirty eight million might help, but uh, I'm not sure how they're going to do it.
4: There, there's a third option. So you know you, uh-huh. you, you said that you said they either get bought by somebody, but it, you know the number of companies that buy them do, it starts to become smaller because of the amount of money they've raised or they or they go for an IPO. The IPO option is something that they might do, but there's a third option, which is they just become a walking zombie. <laughs> and uh yeah, that's that's very very possible if they if if they've got if they have got game changing ideas that they're going to spend that one hundred and thirty million dollars on they've got a brilliant chance of being a huge player you know a big big market player within recruitment technology if they're out of ideas they're a zombie they're becoming
2: a zombie like slowly well, everybody has ideas it's all about prioritizing and then being able to execute on them without getting too too wide and, and when you start taking money like this you have investors coming in and pressing you to, to be able to do things that are on the fringe of quote-unquote vision right so how do you stay disciplined to do what you need to to be that expert in that that one space as opposed to be really shitty at everything else
4: well with 130 million dollars you don't I mean, you, right. have, you have to go broad you have to and the convergence that you've been talking about has to happen they have to take in take over the applicant tracking system area um, because the, you know the world doesn't the world does not need recruitment CRM all the, all the ATSs are building it even workday's building it which is really interesting as well because workday obviously invested a lot of money into um, Beamery so I mean the supposition was that they were going to acquire Beamery at some point which they haven't done and don't look like they're really going to and probably $138 million. No, they could still, still buy it, but nah. they thought they'd have done it this this round rather than somebody else investing. You would have thought so, right? What, what do you think,
3: Levin? It's just too easy today to get money. There's so much money in the markets and sometimes I feel those investors are actually looking for someone who, can, who they can spend it on. Our own company, for example, when this whole COVID experience started, um, our management thought, uh, um, okay, we're going to get all the cash we can just to make sure. And we ended up with 400 million and now we have a big fund to do some acquisitions because we, we, we just uh, saved a bit on the expenses. And when we got some um, credits, so now we are on the lookout as well. And as you mentioned, we did four M and this year, plenty more to come. It's just a perfect day today to get money and to buy companies. But I'm not sure how how long it will last. And as you say, uh, with companies getting that much money too easily, if you become a, a zombie company, it's easy to get paid for a few years before the investors
1: get to know it. And speaking of a lot of money,
5: Top it!
1: big news apparently out of out of Europe. Venta, and I'm apparently saying that correctly because our European guest told me so. Uh, The Oslo-based marketplace operator uh, last week announced it has completed a $9.2 billion cash and stock acquisition of eBay Classifieds Group, the biggest deal in the history of Classifieds, everybody. The transaction has created a company with annual revenue of around 1.6 billion euros. That's based on 2019 results. Adivinta now becomes a whole new company that almost doubles in size. Here are a few of the other highlights. Uh, this deal catapults Adaventa from number 11 in classified revenue globally to number three. Thereafter, Recruit Holdings, our buddies who own Indeed and Glassdoor, and 58.com, I believe, out of China. This is also based on 2019. It establishes a near dominant classifieds company across Western Europe with the leading horizontals in each of the big five economies. It also ends any ambition process, which we've been talking about making a lot of acquisitions lately. Uh, any, any ambition they have to become a major player in Europe and a truly global operator across both emerging and developed markets. And it also ends Axel Springer's ambitions to become the European leader in classifieds and brings a new level of competition to its home territory in Germany. So yeah, it sounds like a pretty good, pretty big deal. What do the Europeans on the show think?
4: It's great for European companies that they're buying American businesses because normally it happens the other way around. What some people, especially in America, what people don't realize is Europe has twice the population of the USA in half of the land space. So it's a very, very complex territory. And so as a result, and because there's so many different languages and things like that, as a result, there's so many business opportunities here. You can uh, you could you know you can target different countries, you can target different professional interests, different personal interests. There's all sorts of ways of slicing it up, and I think you can slice it up a bit uh, more. So the opportunities are probably bigger than they are in in the USA for a few different reasons. Adventus is a company I know a little bit about because they're one of my customers. Um, generally, people have not heard of them because they're better known by their brands, um, and in the UK they're not very well known because I think their their main brands are in. Spain and France and Germany and other places. So they, they don't really have an awful lot of presence in, in the UK until. What the are some of their
1: bigger, more well-known brands in the in the continent and particularly uh, job search ones in particular? Are there any that stand out?
3: InfoJobs jobs in Spain, that's the one I know. And another famous one is Marktplatz in the Netherlands, but uh, that's mostly just classifieds. But, um, it's really fragmented. I think Jobs is just a rather small part of what they're doing.
1: So on the U.S. side, was eBay classifieds anything that uh, you guys thought about when you advertised or looked at competitors?
3: Not
4: we. No, (laughs) no, not here either,
1: no. It probably impacts uh, Canada on our side with Kijiji, which is a huge classifieds online there in uh, Canada. But I guess Kijiji wasn't a thing over in Europe.
2: No, no at all. They have a very diversified portfolio. I mean, that, if you take a look at it across geographies, verticals, notably Germany, France, Netherlands, Spain, Canada, Brazil. I mean, really didn't have anything at all in the U.S. This is a big impact? The big question is, do they start reaching out into the job space at all? Or is that not even relevant to them? Because they're more into selling other things.
1: Personally, I think it has to be. I mean, classifieds online, whether it be, uh, you know, whatever industry jobs is going to be a component of that. And I think that when you look at, you know, recruit holdings is in that list of the top three. Um, I think it would be in, in Aventa's best interest to start getting into recruitment. And I wouldn't be surprised From our perspective, that with the new money and sort of, uh, you know, gravitas that this company will command is that if, you know, they don't maybe go gobble up a beamery or uh, an eightfold or or make a a big impact or big acquisition, maybe a zip recruiter uh, to really sort of stake their claim in the employment in the employment sector.
2: Is that where Axel Springer starts to really hedge and they start to gain more market because they they focus on the job side of the house where it seems like Adaventa is uh, kind of have they have a blind spot right now.
4: Is Recruit Holdings number 1 did you say in in the world for classifieds? And Recruit Holdings do they only do recruitment?
1: It's based on classified revenue. So yeah, Recruit Holdings number one so obviously jobs is their number one i don't i don't even know if they're in anything else but in revenue that's the list yeah. it's if just indeed it in and glass
3: a company you can compare to this one then they might be big but it's in my opinion something different you can't compare indeed with let's say InfoJobs in spain
1: but does but does that event sort of make some big moves now with the enhanced revenue to make a Make a big move in recruitment. I mean, is there anyone in Europe that you guys would say, wow, if they bought them, that would be a huge deal?
4: Yeah, if they, if they bought Axel Springer. <laughs> 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 if they bought and Total Jobs and all of these, then. Yeah,
2: yeah. But,
4: um, it, again, it's very, like, probably a bit unlike the USA. It's, it's much more uh, country-focused. Yeah, segmented. So the, the biggest, like, outside of Indeed, the biggest uh, – job boards in the UK are not anywhere else. Like Reed is, I think, probably number one after Indeed. And then, but it's nowhere else. It's only in in the UK. Total Jobs, I'm pretty sure it's the biggest in tech and I'm pretty sure it's nowhere else outside the UK. Um,
3: And it'll be the same um, where Levin is and- and Yeah, it's it's really very fragmented. And there are many local players who are dominant just in their own region. And you have a few global players like Indeed, for example, but uh, not that many.
4: I mean, Stepstone, for example, must be number one—the number number one European like jo- owned job board. But I'm pretty sure it's not in the UK. It's certainly not one that um, any of my customers use regularly.
3: And young know, people just don't know Stepstone anymore. It's not that bad as with Monster, but one out of two has never heard about Stepstone. People Graduating now, so it's it's also old school.
2: Wow, that that's that's big. So fifty percent of the people that are actually graduating don't know Stepstone. Is that what I just heard?
3: Well. I can only speak for the Belgian market in this. Okay. I'm going to do more research on the surrounding countries. Mm-hmm. But in Belgium, and I, I can't see why it would be different in the Netherlands or Germany. But Germany Germany may be yeah, their biggest market, so they're advertising a lot. But uh, to young people graduating now, they never heard about Stepstone here mm-hmm. because they don't advertise anymore. It's just too expensive.
1: So Adav, Adav, Adavinta's move would be to gobble up a bunch of smaller fish, is what you're saying?
3: It's what they do. They have 44 brands, so... And buy a few more and act local.
4: It depends if they. It depends if they think recruitment is a strategic, you know, opportunity for them because there's money there. There's a, a lot of yeah, but a lot of media businesses think it's so fickle uh-huh. and it's such a it changes. It changes too much. It's non-predictable. Um, it's not easy to control. It's completely linked to economies which are out of their control. So it kind of kind of depends whether or not it's a strategic, you know, priority.
3: I agree like recruitment is difficult because you have no no loyal candidates people are looking for a job they find a job and they hope never to be having to look for a job again so when you're a newspaper and you can convince someone to become a, a reader then you can have him for years and if they read the classifieds for the cars etc they can buy several cars and they, whatever but with jobs it's difficult you constantly have to focus on new potential candidates new clients so it's it's really expensive to keep advertising
4: it's investors i mean talking to my for from my own knowledge of talking to like vc firms i, uh-huh. I probably one in two vc firms i've spoken to about investing in my company over the last couple of years have said yeah, yeah recruitment's just of no interest to us it's of no interest to and i've, and I've, I've asked them why and they've often said it's because it's unpredictable it's too fragmented it's difficult
2: to predict what's going to happen with it but that's why you diversify right i mean that's what it's all about and you take a look at like at their portfolio it's incredibly diversified so my question is are we looking in the wrong space are are these organizations really looking long term to challenge google to have all the classified information instead of like leaving said you know we're not always looking for jobs that's right but all, with all the other classified information, this could become closer to a lifestyle platform than just going over to Indeed for jobs, right? So, do you think this could be prospectively a play to be able to gain Google share? Again, that's
4: a, that's a boardroom. That's a boardroom question. But yeah. given the amount of money that's gone into it, there's a, definitely a strategy which is around data.
1: I mean, Chad, we've talked about, you know, talent.com, uh, which is now, you know, a top 10, if not top five now, traffic job search engine. And I know Jubal is is a player globally as well. I could certainly see out of into looking at recruit holdings strategy of getting, you know, sort of a job search platform that's growing uh, and already has a ton of traffic that is probably affordable for them in making a move like that.
3: Maybe we should just talk to them.
1: Well, oh, that <laughs> takes work Levin. Come on, man. <laughs> but uh, it's
3: it's interesting to see they uh, where they came from. They used to be part of Shipstat, which was a major and still is a major newspaper publisher in the Nordics. I think Norway, I'm sure. And when I was working for a, a Belgium newspaper company twenty years ago, and uh, I worked for Jobat, which is still is the biggest uh, job site, the local job site, we looked at Shipstat, and they were the most innovative people back then, and they launched Adventa and. They let it go someday, or but uh, apparently they did it well. I, you have to reckon those were the days when people and uh, newspaper companies were still thinking no one is ever going to read a newspaper on a screen. But they believed in it, and they launched all those platforms, and in the end, they were totally
1: right. We'll go talk to Adventa when they fly us to Oslo. How's that? <laughs> How's that sound? I'm in for
4: that. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at fygi.nl.
1: I'm in for that. All right, let's get into uh, some wage inequality issues there in the UK. You remember last show we talked about the UK having issues with workers, primarily from an Im- immigration perspective. And now Germany is uh, in the news big time. So a lack, of stack, a lack of staff across Europe is hampering the reopening plans of hotels, restaurants and bars which threatens to hold back an unex- unexpected economic rebound as vaccinations accelerate and COVID-19 restrictions are eased further. Some managers in the sector say they may raise wages to attract workers. What a concept. Uh, what are you guys seeing in terms of broader European uh, pay inequality and, and staffing issues across the continent?
4: Well, the UK is a bit <coughs> a bit different to most of mainland Europe in that we opted out of being part of something that was um, – actually really successful for us. And um, Tim, Tim Martin, I really like this. Tim Martin, who's the founder and CEO of a big pub company in the UK called Witherspoons. Uh, he was one of the sort of uh, big voices advocating that the UK should leave the European Union. And now he's one of the big voices advocating to changing the immigration um, laws so that they, we can get more people from the EU coming into the UK to work in his bars. A bit of a bit of an irony there, uh, but our, our our challenge definitely is in the UK that we don't have as many really talented and brilliant people coming from the EU as we did have.
2: So in I mean in the US we've obviously we have this this big issue that we don't have pay transparency, and thus it. It's really hard to, to focus on pay equity if you don't know where the problems are at, right? So I was actually on, on Twitter this weekend and a business leader from Europe actually tweeted, uh, I don't advertise a salary. I think it's limiting until you know the candidate, what they value and how the job might be shaped to their strengths and purpose. Now, right out of the gate, this... I thought the guy was from the U.S., to be quite frank, because that's how we've engineered inequity for for years. I was surprised to see this come out of Europe. And there's also uh, a new proposal by the European Commission uh, on transparency. Now, that, I would assume, is not going to encompass the U.K. now that the U.K. is doing the Brexit. But what about Europe? overall is there a movement to to transparency in some uh in some countries is it mandated how does how does it work and how do you guys deal with that how do you navigate all that
3: it's weird that you say it because we always look at the u.s as a, an example of equity and we suck and it's, it's weird because if you look at uh or, or indeed or the other sites whenever there is mentioned um wage or a, how do you call it a fork with a less from from this salary to that one yeah always in the us we don't do it in europe we're starting to do it now and, and one of our companies is actually pushing it because we would like to have it published published everywhere but in uh, most european countries you never see a salary in a job advertisement so it's hush hush and people don't talk about salary which is easy for hr of
2: course well you're seeing that on glassdoor though and glassdoor actually artificially injects salary range into most of those jobs. That was not put on the actual job description by the company.
3: We actually started uh, uh, filling in those ranges because of Google for Jobs and because of Uh, Yeah, Yeah, So they did a good thing.
1: That that strikes me as strange because I think most Americans consider Europe very progressive and uh, over-regulated probably. And the fact that there's never been legislation created to require salaries or salary ranges on jobs is kind of surprising to me.
3: There is a minimum wage. That's a very good thing. But there's not a maximum one. Yeah. That's a good thing too.
1: And Adam, it sounds like the UK issue is more about we don't want to pay people more. We just want to get more people that will take less into the country. Whereas maybe uh, the mainland Europe is more they might have to raise salaries because they already have the immigrants. Am I right about that or no?
4: The UK um, has got some problems, um, as I think everybody knows, and one of those problems, to my mind, is that it's becoming more like the USA when it comes to as- aspects of employment. And so that person, I'm not surprised that that was somebody in the UK who said, "Look, I don't want to. I don't want to advertise my salary because I want to see what the people who you know are bringing, and then I'll decide what I want to pay them based on who's bringing what." That would be a probably a small company view of what to do, so I, I would be surprised if that person was not running a small business. Mm-hmm. And so you know they're, they're looking at those kind of details on a hire-by-hire basis rather than having set policies. They probably don't have any policies in that company. I do think in general, and I'm not taking this up a le- level in terms of the, the subject, but we we in the UK ha- are taking capitalism a little bit too far, and we've got a scenario where the rich are richer than ever, and the poor are poorer mm-hmm. than ever. Join the club. That's not that's not acceptable, and it's becoming yeah exactly it's becoming very like the USA, and I, I don't like that. I like the way that things happen in certain parts of Europe and Scandinavia and places like that, where you know there are better protections for people. There's less inequality. Uh, I think some countries like Denmark take it a bit far. Mm-hmm. Germany and France have taken it a bit far in terms of their employment kind of uh, you know, employment rights. You can't really fire people, stuff like that. I think in the Netherlands is a little bit like that as well. Uh, but I am slightly concerned about the UK becoming too too much like the USA when it comes to capitalism. Although where I live in Scotland, um, they, they, they don't really want uh, – the majority of people don't really want that kind of ideology.
2: What about unions? And, and I mean because I know that here in the US, I mean we've been busting unions for decades now. Belgium, from a report that, that, that uh, I read, actually 50% of the employees uh, uh, are in – unions uh, Finland's like 74 percent Sweden 70 percent but overall the EU average is 23 percent so what do you think that has to do collective bargaining uh, ensuring you know obviously equity do you think that has a large impact as well and has the UK also been busting unions
4: unions have been getting unions have been um, getting eroded in the UK for a long time They're, they don't have anything like the power they used to um, and one piece of evidence of that is that they, the unions control the Labour Party which was for a long time the number two political party in the UK and I, I don't know what number it is just now but you know they're getting no votes from anybody really um, but I personally support trade unions and I think they ensure that companies treat people right
1: so one of the big issues here in the states is uh, sort of you know federal funds have been going into uh, unemployment benefits for a while where they typically don't. It's typically a state um, a state benefit, and a lot of a lot of the the critique of not being able to fill jobs has been linked to well the Fed just keeps, keeps spending money on people. Why would they want to go to work? So. Quite a few states in the country, uh, seven recently, mostly uh, red or conservative states, have cut off the sort of federal uh, funding for that, hoping that that would send people back to work. I think it's still a little too early on exactly how that's going to play out. But do you guys see in Europe a big initiative to cut off unemployment funds from that were, that were linked to COVID? Um, what's the situation there? And, and do people think that cutting off more federal funding will lead to more people Coming into the workforce.
4: Well, arguably, arguably, unemployment benefits are generous in the UK. You've got parts of the UK where you've got three, four, five generations of unemployed of people that have never worked, and they're going to college in order just to tick the right boxes
2: so that they can continue to not work. How much money do you guys give them a month in the UK? There's no fucking way an American can live off the shit that we get. How much do you guys get?
4: Well, this is the thing. I've been listening to your show the last few weeks, and I've been listening to this problem with getting people working in the U.S. because of the unemployment benefits to do with COVID. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I mean, that's just like the status quo in the U.K. You, 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 don't have, you can earn as much for doing nothing as you can in most service jobs. You know, most service jobs or construction jobs, or you know those types of roles.
1: So, what's the incentive to work?
4: Pride, I guess, but also national insurance contributions. You, you get you get national insurance contributions when you when you work, and that contributes to your state pension and things like that. So there are, I mean, there are some benefits, but uh, to 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 working over over not working. But it's a, it's not a, it's not a terribly difficult life to not work.
3: You can't speak for the whole of Europe, but um, because it's really different and there are several legislations and Uh depends on the country. But uh, just to give you an example, and I have to be very careful with uh, with what I'm going to tell you now because unions and the temping industry are not the best friends. So Uh I need to watch my language. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're
2: they're big in Belgium. I mean, the unions are. Yeah,
3: I'm going... Just one example, uh, which I think I can tell you. Uh You know... um, Unemployment? uh, How do you call it? Wages? If you're unemployed, Uh you get a okay. They are paid by the unions, and they get a small percentage of every paid wage to uh, to just to be able to work. And the unions get some some of the money. So they actually get better the more people are unemployed. That's something nobody is realizing. But the more people are unemployed, the better for those unions. So they protect their people. And they don't activate them if you're unemployed if you don't want to work they're not going to tell you you should work because you're able to work and you're not getting money for doing nothing forever they actually get richer the more people are unemployed and that's a terrible system in my opinion
1: so who's the toughest country on people who don't work in europe i
3: think uh, the toughest that i know are probably uh, maybe yeah, and on the eastern european countries but uh, the softest are i guess uh, france for example is uh, i C'est la greffe, they're going to strike. It's uh, something gets learned at school, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, it depends. You, did you, in the U.S., saw the Le Maillot Jaune, the yellow
2: coats? It was like an activists. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in
1: France. Yeah, everyone in America thinks French don't work. But I don't I don't know if they would think that the U.K. is is as Adam has portrayed it. I think that they probably think it's a little tougher in the U.K., they already have written off france and when when we say socialism it's usually connected to france in some way if, if not europe as a whole
3: they kind of invented it huh? Liberté, égalité, fraternité. Uh... i
4: think i don't want to say by the way what i said about the uk I, I don't i don't want to say there's like masses of people who don't want to work i mean there 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 are there are if you don't want to work it's not you it don't if you don't want to work you, you don't probably have to but i think a lot of people who are unemployed they're unemployed because they can't work because they've got health issues or something like that. There are enough jobs for, there's enough jobs for everybody. That's for sure.
2: Plenty of jobs in Switzerland. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Unless you're a sex worker, apparently Chad. So our our next story here. So Switzerland's highest court last week rejected foreign sex workers access to compensation for pay due to the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic. I've said it so much in the last year, I can't even pronounce it anymore saying temporary workers were ineligible for short-time work payouts due to their short stay. The court denied a request by an unidentified sex club operator in the northeastern canton of Thurgau, I'm saying that maybe correctly, whose 30 workers were put out of work from March 17th until June 5th last year when the club closed due to government measures to contain COVID because the workers were permitted to work in Switzerland for only four months under the rules allowing people from the European Union to, Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway to work in Switzerland for a a short time. The court determined they were ineligible for compensation. Ultimately, the court said sex workers did not fit the criteria of employment. Guys, aren't sex workers people too? Is is that just a
2: transient job? Because it seems (laughs) like uh, only, it's, only, only immigrants are coming in to do it.
1: Yeah, let's ask Adam and Lee Even about sex workers and how transient it is. Guys, do do women and uh, sex workers just come into town for a few months and then leave? Is that is that the uh, the status quo? <laughs> the Swiss way.
4: My question about this article is: is it is is, is the is the focus on sex workers just clickbait? Because um, surely it applies to anybody who's basically working on a short term visa or something like that. Um, I mean, they're also only, you know, if I'm if I'm um, working in, there's a lot of different jobs. If I'm where there's only a short amount of time that they're actually going to be in the country. So I think fo- the focus on sex workers is just to put it onto podcasts
1: and stuff like that.
4: But um, as far as I'm aware...
1: What are you saying, Adam?
4: Sex workers um, prefer to, like, build up a clientele, um, <laughs> it, you know, uh, it, where they are. And so a bit of, like, long-term sort of... Um, you know, uh, working is is the right, the right thing to do, unless they're taking the sort of Tim Ferriss um, kind of uh, attempt at traveling the world and having sex for money.
1: From an American point of view, I mean, this th- these are not like uh, legal jobs. So there is no sort of government benefits uh, for being a sex worker, because if you're doing it, if it's not in places in Nevada, it's illegal. So there, is, there are no benefits. So I think that's why there's some level of shock um, to read the story as an American is that wow, sex workers actually have these rights, and in Europe apparently they do. It's just a matter of they weren't here long enough.
4: Yeah, I mean it's not a, it's not an actual job in the UK. It's not like a I'll, I'll rephrase that. It's not it's not a job. You don't get your national insurance payments for being a sex worker <laughs> in the UK. Um, you know you, your um, contributions aren't 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 part of that. It's not an official job. It, it definitely is in some countries,
3: but in um, Belgium
2: and the Netherlands it is. Yeah. 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 So that's what I was going to ask. Belgium, Netherlands it, and Switzerland. Germany as well. Yeah, Okay. Switzerland
3: probably too. But um, I thought uh, the problem with the Swiss government was they just didn't
2: consider it work, probably because of the high fun factor.
1: Is, is it legal? Is it legal in Switzerland? I guess so. I'm not sure. Well,
2: it, it said that there's no real employment contract between the club operator and the sex workers. It seems as if there was a contract, much like we have contractors and quote unquote statements of work, which uh, the sex workers decide themselves on what services they're going to provide. If they had a contract, it sounds like this would be this would be null and void, that they would actually have an opportunity to gain uh, some of these entitlements.
3: The problem is it's illegal to exploit people. So the job where you own a bar and you put people to work, that's illegal, but uh, sex working on sex is okay. Well, maybe it's not okay, but it's not illegal.
4: <laughs> I mean, could you imagine what the contract says in terms of like the scope of services? You'd have to like a, you'd have to have a proper. So you have a contract? I think you need a job description so that you can link the contract to that. So that in the case of unful, unfulfilling your, uh, you know, fulfilling your duties, what what do they exactly involve?
1: And were these jobs posted on Ad Adaventa?
3: <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah probably those are the advertorials re- um, read most
0: <laughs> oh hey, you're thinking of penthouse yeah.
3: forum those are the things people actually look at first when looking at those little advertorials
4: the only problem i have with this whole industry is is the exploitation aspect of it because yes. of course it leads to human trafficking and people doing things slavery, in order, slavery yep. and all that kind of thing i mean if, if somebody I'm going to, yeah, underage, I guess the health aspect, feeding a habit, because if they're doing it in order to pay for um, some sort of substances, which they shouldn't really be taking either. There's aspects of that which are bad, but other than that, there's nothing wrong with it as an industry.
2: Yeah, so I guess, uh, Joel, it seems fairly simple. Uh, Adam and Levin, we're all on board. All we need now are real employment contracts for sex workers, and we should be good.
4: I'd have, given them, I'd have given them the COVID payments. no problem. That's fine. Hey, there you go. Is
1: that, is that all you would have given them, Adam? Adam? <laughs> yes. Yes. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. <laughs> what a large, strange, complicated continent Europe is.
4: It is weird. I mean, it definitely is weird. 44 years living in it, and I still think it's weird.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we, we out. out.
5: Thank you for listening to, what's it called?
1: A podcast.